Welcome to the fifth Amazing Race 29 recap episode of You Are to Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who loves touching rock, Logan Saunders. Morning. And the lady who never realises how vocal she's being, Michelle Pierce Denovan. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You didn't like the Brooke one last week, so I had to do another one this week, and that one was a perfect one for you, I think. Well, that one is the one that I laughed at the most during the episode. Oh, the, there's another challenger. <laughs> at least I wasn't. At least I wasn't the B-list invitee to the podcast. Weren't you? Oh, Michael. Did I miss? Did I miss something? I'm just saying that Michelle and I decided beforehand that we were reluctant to invite you. Sorry. I'm the Van Ashton of this podcast, is what you're saying. <laughs> you really are. You don't socialise enough. Well, your Vancouver Ashton is another story, though. Or Lester the Unlikely. Whoa! And a happy 170th podcast to me as well. Woohoo! Last I remember. <laughs> podcast number 194 for us all, and podcast number 170 for me. That's crazy. We're fast, we're fast approaching that 200 milestone. We are, and we need to decide actually what we're doing. Why not leave it up to the audience? Because if I leave it up to the audience, it's going to be two hours of face cream clips. Just like if anyone leaves it up to me. I think it should be not an audio podcast. I've always said that for like a special podcast, it should be, you know, visual. But what did we do for the last visual thing we did for the podcast, Michelle? Well, it wasn't a podcast, was it? It was just you looking at me going, Had YouTube actually worked properly, it might have been a live podcast. We were going to stream it mm. live, but then YouTube was being stupid with us. Yes. Wasn't good at all. And halfway into this season, I think we're on course for a very, very good season. Mm. Just think at this just think at this just think at this point last year, we had just gone through the two Chamonix episodes. So it's safe to say we're doing better this year. Yeah. And just think, at this point in Amazing Race 24 fake all stars, they've been to three countries. <laughs> wow. This season has been to, what, five? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for actually answering the question, Michelle. That's all right. I'm awake. He's still asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, Logan has just woken up. I was trying to do the math in my head. My brain was... The hamster is running very slowly. It's Panama <laughs> Exile Island, then Brazil... And then uh, Tanzania, and then Norway, and now Italy. Yeah. And also, thanks to the racers' recap from last week, I know that it is now pronounced uh, Tanzania, not Tanzania. Brooke taught us all that last week. Oh, like the Tanzanian devil. So, uh, Danielle from Amazing Race All's Real All Stars was actually right with the pronunciation. Yeah, it, it is indeed Tanzania, apparently. So, thanks, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Brooke teaching oh, us things. Oh. Please, stop it. <laughs> is she also going to do, uh, on the next Racers Recap, is Brooke going to be giving uh, ladle-making lessons too? If I were Brooke, I would put together a YouTube video of ladle-making. Just lean okay. into the cat lady curve. I have got a little, you know, I work in daycare, right? So there's toy things. And there's this little metal toy Keeps it, it's everywhere because I have to keep picking it up off the ground, and every time I see it, I think of the amazing race. Every single time, I can't get away from it. 
So what you're saying is that every time you see the metal ladle at work, you see you just think of Brooke. Basically, yes. <laughs> just every day, several times a day. <laughs> so several times a day, you think of Brooke. I do. I do. <laughs> I'm delirious. It's midnight. It's midnight somewhere, Michelle. It just so happens it's your turn for it to be midnight. <laughs> that's how time yes. zones work. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it took Logan a while to get get his head around it as well when he was in Europe. <laughs> so previously, seven teams raced from Tanzania to Norway. After officiative route info, Becker and Floyd gambled on a helicopter trip into the unknown for the first fast-forward in a while. At the roadblock, Matt climbed as Becker and Floyd dropped in on a 10,000-foot skydive. At the detour, Van Ashton annoyed others, but Liz and Michael just annoyed each other. Tara and Joey uh, checked in first, while Liz and Michael were last, but, as with everyone else, they kept on racing. And I was very disappointed that Phil didn't even mention Brooke and Scott, especially going into what I would call Scott's tour de force episode so far. <laughs> especially that roadblock. London and Logan got mentioned in the previously on segments, but not Brooke and Scott. How the hell did that happen? God knows. <laughs> Redmond, is this our first date? Yeah, for people that don't know, uh, Redmond, Matt and Redmond and Brooke and Scott both uh, found date night cards at the end of the last leg and won the date night prize during the roadblock. Very awkward timing, but that's just how it happened to work out. Yeah, they got to go to an observatory with Phil and um, the greeter from the last leg, which, given that it was a family of people, is very awkward. Yeah, they just all had dinner together by candlelight. And then afterwards, they went to a spa. A spa. A spa without Tawa and Joey. Thank you, drunken Ted Kennedy. (laughs) I love Joey's graphic descriptions of your impressions, by the way. I was having this chat with him a few days ago. That's where drunken Ted Kennedy originally came from. (laughs) It was Joey saying, actually, his mic impression's very good. His impression of me makes me sound like a drunken Ted Kennedy. Chowder, chowder. It's pronounced chowder. Tao was the best partner I could have ever had. That was a bit British. I'll get there someday. <laughs> 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 so yeah, teams must now fly to Milan in Italy and find Piazza Fontana where they're finding their next clue. Caution, double U-turn ahead. Ooh. Hooray. And we get an over-the-top advertising plug. You mean to tell me that there was advertising in this episode and I didn't even notice? And they even sponsored a bench because everyone used the exact, or not, I guess it wasn't a bench, it was a picnic table, but everyone used the exact same picnic table to book the flight. And I got a bit confused with this because they said that the flight was at half five, I think. But we saw Matt and Redmond's phone say it was 3.48pm when they booked their flights. That is not a very long turnaround for what proved to be an international flight. No. So I suspect more CBS fakery, honestly. It's happened before. Look at Amazing Race Asia. They just blatantly lied half the time about departure times. Yeah, I think that there may be uh, maybe more to this story that we're not being told. But on the plus side, we do find out from Joey that booking things on the app is wicked easy. Wicked easy? Yeah, he said it's wicked easy. (laughs) Hmm. 
And Tara did meet her husband in Italy as well, so she's super excited to actually go back there. So excited that she said that she peed her pants. Which is great if you're running the race with a complete stranger. I'm sure I'm sure Joey's <laughs> going to love that. And didn't Sarah say that she'd shit herself if uh, she saw another team? Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Logan said, and then last leg, uh, Logan said he was in the bowels of Norway. So we're we're getting a lot of getting a lot of potty references over the past couple episodes. No, he said he was in the bowers of Norway. Oh, the bowers, the bowers of Norway. That makes so much more sense. And everyone does end up on the same flight landing at eleven thirty p.m. But I need a dramatic reading of the Liz and Michael scene. I know you've got it in you, Logan. Come on. <laughs> that was such a, an amusing interaction. <laughs> the, the teddy, the teddy bear, the, the teddy bear hugs it out with the sewer rat. Eventually, not before being labeled a, a, a jackass. <laughs> Liz's quote here is one of my favorite Amazing Race quotes of all time. <laughs> I said sorry. What do you want me to do? Rent a plane and skywrite it. <laughs> <laughs> if only that was the fast forward task instead of skydiving her delivery wasn't the best I would have thought that that would have been a, a Canadian fast forward task anyway just just skywrite sorry sorry <laughs> just, just skywrite grab a Timmy's question mark <laughs> yes grab a double double <laughs> I would like that very much I'm so glad you were the bigger person in this situation, Liz. I was a bit of a jackass. I'll admit. I'll admit. But 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 we 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 got to compromise. We got to make compromises, Liz. Or that or that they or originally Liz said they couldn't meet halfway because Mike is a jackass. <laughs> That's a really American term. No one here uses jackass. <laughs> it goes all the way back to Kevin and Drew in season one. I think Kevin and Drew used that used that word pretty much every single episode towards each other. <laughs> or I guess or in the first episode they used fat bastard a couple times. Then afterwards they started using the word jackass. Yeah, Michelle, the Australian equivalent is a bloody jacko. Oh, I'm so scared about what you were going to say. What did you think I was gonna say? Oh god, the things that come out of your mouth, Michael. I was very proud of myself for the things that didn't come out of my mouth when uh, when being on the code, Michelle. Yes. Do you understand? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I can tell this is going to be one of those weird podcasts again that everyone loves. <laughs> that was... Oh, what's his name? I don't know who you were supposed to be then, but you were someone else in my brain. Um, God, who, who are these... The, who are the country bumpkins that I love? Why can't I get the name out? It's Mark and Bopper? Midnight, yes. That was one of them. <laughs> I don't have no clothes! Are you saying that my impression of Chris Tucker from Rush Hour sounded yes. more like Mark and Bopper from The Amazing yes. Race? <laughs> I thought it sounded more like the guy who, um, who we met on Hunted who's obsessed with the movie Deliverance. I think we've come to the conclusion... That Logan does great impressions, but not of the people he thinks he's doing them of. Yeah, exactly, Michelle. Because <laughs> the Joey impression is drunken Ted Kennedy. The Chris Tucker rush hour impression is actually more Mark and Bopper. 
<laughs> I have your backpack. <laughs> Never touch a country bumpkins radio. <laughs> like I said, this is going to be one of those weird podcasts. <laughs> I can tell already. <laughs> All right, continue. This is Sigur Ríos. What, what did you just say? What did you just say? The Rush say? Hour quotes. Okay. <laughs> and we also find out that Brooke and Scott are playing the social game, and Vank and Ashton are everyone's targets. Scott messed up the classic reality TV quote of not wanting blood on his hands, and instead said he wanted no but bad blood on his hands, as opposed as opposed to the good blood. Yeah, he's just a Taylor Swift fan. Started singing "Bad Blood" to uh, to Van and Ashton. I guess "Good Blood" is more of a would be more of a Dexter thing. And uh, you know what surprised me is that Tawa said she never thought that she'd be in, in Italy on the Amazing Race, even though the Amazing Race has been to Italy a countless number of times. So I think she's exaggerating just a little bit. But this is also the first time since season four that they've been to Milan. Yeah, Milan specifically. Yeah. Which is nice. And the 20 strategy is also promised for the double U-turn. 21. Yeah. I'm quite surprised that we've not actually seen the 20 strategy very much, given that it basically broke the U-turn in uh, in 21. It's a great strategy. It is. The fans don't like it at all. No, this was the probably the most negative reaction I've seen to an episode across the board. Very, very, very little praise for this episode. Can you imagine if it had happened to Matt and Redmond? They would have loved it. They would have been behind it. Hmm. Or Brooke and Scott. They were doing parties in the streets. Karma! Karma! Karma for all of our whining! Right, I'm just going to say this now. After we recorded the podcast last week, I watched the secret scenes. And Brooke is completely not how she's portrayed on the episode. Like... She is getting quite a bad edit, and yeah, I know you can't get the bad edit without saying these things, but actually her and Scott's relationship is quite lovely. What about London and Logan? Are there any secret scenes for London and Logan? <laughs> no. Or is it just crickets? Like, this, is, this is what gets to me the most about this episode, is that the first Logan scene of the whole season is him just silently waiting at the roadblock, with cricket sound effects in the background, which is the most London and Logan thing possible to happen for their first scene all season long. There is zero content about London and Logan. In fact, I think the next time trailer for next week is the first time they've been mentioned. Yeah, because people, this episode was just, oh, poor Logan waiting at the roadblock. And then London made the comment that Logan is a model at the ghost uh, detour. And then at the start of the episode, Logan mentioned for two seconds about how the other teams were gossiping. And that was it. That was it for this episode. And this is the only airtime they have gotten, they have received all season. That is sad. Sad exclamation point. And can I also say, the fact that uh, Logan does the ghost detour is not lost on me. It's deeply (laughs) ironic. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Come on, Logan, I expect you to be better than that, especially with your namesakes. <laughs> oh, but we feel sorry for Logan, don't we? On the page. How good is that? I always feel sorry for Logan. <laughs> Just not Logan Bauer. I especially felt sorry for Logan when he was having to stay at your place. I didn't. He got 
he got to stay somewhere for ten days or whatever it was at Christmas. And got but nice he had meals. to spend time with you, Michael. Yeah, but spending time with me is a treat, Michelle. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> She's not convinced. <laughs> Michelle is really mean when uh, when she's tired. It just turns this just turns into the amazing race roast for Michelle. <laughs> oh, wait, till we get further on. Maybe that's what we can do for podcast number 200. Oh god. No. And like Ray Caraldo. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, Lisa Lampanelli. It'll be all good. We'll have our all-star lineup. How about we <laughs> we get Amazing Races on to roast Michelle? I think oh, they'd rather want to roast me. I think they'd rather want to roast me in the process. That could also yeah. be arranged. No, 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 no. Listen, no, what we do, we get casual fans to roast Logan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll get them to read what Logan's written about them, and then they can come on. <laughs> I've talked for ages about if Logan ever got cast for Amazing Race Canada, which, spoilers, he hasn't this year. I don't understand what's wrong with those casting people. Getting people that Logan has talked about on his blog and on the podcast to come on and co-host with me and roast him. I want to do that for, a, for an entire season, so we can sort this if you want. See, Logan, this is why I pitied you staying with him. Look at what he just put forward about you. You're twisting my words slightly, Michelle. I originally got it targeted at you. You can have Joey on the podcast try to do... He can do his impression of my impression of him. <laughs> I, I want to get JK on the podcast to do a Canadian impression. That's what I want. I know I mentioned that to you before, Logan, but I want that to happen so much. J.K. Rowling. Oh, God, not this discussion again. (laughs) Should we talk about this episode? No. (laughs) So, this episode, um, Tawa and Joey make it to to the roadblock first, with Tawa doing it, along with uh, Mike. They choose to ally. Uh, Mike, I think the only word he knows in Italian is uh, grazie, grazie, grazie. You Uh, missed something very important. We found out something shocking about Joey this week when he said that he wanted to go to Italy. Oh, right. I didn't know that he wanted to go to Italy. We definitely (laughs) didn't talk about that at great lengths uh, at the expense of his frustration at listening to our uh, first podcast of the season. But doesn't like 50% of all races in every season want to go to Italy? Exactly, Michelle. That was the original joke. Yeah, I remember that from a couple of years ago. We said that. But yeah, um, shockingly, Joey says that he's excited to go to um, to Italy because he's always wanted to go. Um, I mean, why didn't he mention that in his bio? I mean, this is the second lie we've we've picked up from his bio now. It's, it's amazing that it's happened finally. So yeah, the roadblock is the first thing when they get to uh, the piazza. And it's who's hungry for their next clue. And in this roadblock, one team member must ride a tram through the streets of Milan looking for three signs with race flags underneath them. To add extra fun, they also have to eat a two-course meal every time they ride the tram. If they can recite the three words once the ride is finished, they receive their next clue. And it is Tara, Michael, Vank, Redmond, Scott, Floyd and Logan doing this roadblock. And they also get wine. I know, I saw that. They could get absolutely tanked by the end of this roadblock Mm. if they really wanted to. (laughs) By the end of, Definitely. well, by the midpoint of this leg, because they got wine on the boat as well. 
I envy them so much. When I was in Italy, I, I stayed. I stayed with cousins who made their own wine. Their own wine. Did they make it in the same way that they did on the Molto? I I didn't see anybody. I didn't see like the their sixteen year old daughter go into the backyard and stomp her feet in the grapes. No, I I, I did not see that. So you didn't have any meals with foot wine. No, it was actually it was it was good wine. Okay, but yeah, I, I would love to see if they could do a leg like this and by the midpoint get everyone absolutely rat-assed and hungover, because teams having to do half a leg even hungover and riding a lot of boats would be amazing. Oh god! Yes. You know, it would be embarrassing if it was like sharing Cole from last season, and then Cole just got really drunk on the during this task, and then he was like throwing up at the start of the day in front of in front of his mother. That would have been really embarrassing for him. And we do get the question of whether Floyd is old enough to drink. He is twenty one, if I if I recall correctly. So he is definitely legal drinking age, even by American standards. But he'd be legal even if he was nineteen in Europe. He's legal. Yeah, but they yeah. have to abide by both the laws of the U.S. and the host country. Why? Because it's soft drinks for Will. Oh, for God's sake! That's why um, Cole wasn't allowed to drive in Dubai last year. Why? Because the driving age in Dubai is uh, twenty-one. Well, that's okay. But why couldn't you drink in another country where they're, you know, where it's normal at 18? I don't know. Where is it 21? Is it just America? Yeah, and you know why it's 21, don't you? Because uh, Americans have to do everything different. No, do you, do you actually know the, the real reason that the American drinking age is 21? Um, I think I've read it up once because I wondered why, but Te- I can't remember now. Technically, the drinking age in America is 18, but because of the way the American government works... They rescind um, the transport budget, I think it is, for any state that allows um, people to drink at 18. That's nice. Or or under 21. So you can drink at 18 in America. Legally, the states can make it so you can drink individually. Mm. Legally, uh, they can make it so individual states will let you drink at 18, but they just won't have any transport budget. So you won't have any good roads or anything. So that is genuinely the reason why the American drinking age is 21. That's weird. Mm. Fun fact. See, this podcast yeah. is very educational. Um, and there is a four racer limit on the trams, so Logan misses out and has to sit there like a loner. Do you have Crickets. that in um, England or Canada? A, a tram restaurant? Or a train restaurant or anything similar? Definitely not in Canada. Well, I... They have, like, restaurant carts and on trains, because I've been on one. Uh, but not, like, around a city or anything. Because no. Melbourne has one. I, Melbourne has them. I've been on the world's longest tram line as well. Where's that? That is in Toronto. Hmm. One of the tram lines is, like, 40-odd miles long, I think it is. Interesting. And Scott and Redmond do share their first date with wine. <laughs> Although Scott has eyes for somebody else. That, that, was, that, was, that was so mean, because it's Scott and Vank that are next to each other in the tram, and Scott's like, oh, the eye candy, and it pans away from Vank all the way to the right to another person. I'm thinking, this is really just picking on Vank by this point. <laughs> we didn't even know there was another person there. It's like, oh, Scott's just referring to Vank. How, 
You know, what a compliment for Vank. Oh, he's just talking about some random Italian stranger. This entire roadblock was just a tour de force for, uh, for Scott. It really was. Between him asking whether Floyd's old enough to drink and uh, sort of flirting with the Italian guy and flirting with Redmond. And there's more to come. Let's just say he was a fan of the red wine. <laughs> and it is Tara, Tara and Joey leaving it in first. I re- I've realised that my the way I pronounce Joey is basically just from Friends. Joey Tribbiani, how you doing? I, I keep pronouncing it like Estelle's agent. And Simpsons now head to the town of Cenobio on Lake Como and find a steamship to get their next clue. Do you think it was named after Perry Como? Maybe. It's the place where a mean old man leaves your life. You know what's kind of funny is when teams were submitting their guests at the end of the roadblock, that sound that it sounded like they were saying Chernobyl instead of yes. uh, Chernobyl. <laughs> it's like, Chernobyl, this is a bit dark, even by Amazing Race standards. That's something that would be saved for uh, the Amazing Race Ukraine from 10 years ago. Yeah, fun fact, season 30 is going to visit Chernobyl. The Amazing Race has gone nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, week, <laughs> this week, teams head to Chernobyl. One team goes nuclear. <laughs> Next time on The Amazing Race, teams go to North Korea and try to decommission an armed missile. <laughs> it's a time-sensitive roadblock. <laughs> Very time-sensitive. If you cut the wrong wire, there's a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> Roblox, who wants to get a half-life? <laughs> Find the radionuclear waste. <laughs> the team that finishes in first will rise to the ice atop. Oh, that's a Monty pod. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also found, I, I also worked out in this episode that Tara. Tara. Sounds like Tara like as in Tara. As in Tara. Tara. Yes. Um, she She's very anxious about getting the right clue and getting the right answer. Because, you know, she said, where was the flag? I mean, it was the giant illuminated thing under the word. But she still freaks out making sure she gets things right. Do you think that's hinting about how they might get eliminated? Perhaps. And it's Liz and Michael who leave in second. And then Vank, Scott, Floyd and Redmond all miss the final word. And Logan wrote down the right first word, but chose another one that he had. So he has to write again as well. As Becca would say, it was a deathly shake of the head. A deathly shake of the head. And then uh, Scott and uh, Floyd try to team up. And we get the first instance that will piss off the casual fans as Rank tries to ally with them. And then Scott half-jokingly says, Do I know you, Vank? I don't know, Vank. Go away. I ain't got time for this. Scott is the true villain of the season. And um, once teams arrive at the steamship, it is an hours of operation, and they'll be leaving at five-minute intervals from seven o'clock the next morning. And then Van Ashton leave in third, with Becker and Floyd in fourth, Brooke and Scott in fifth, and Matt and Redmond in sixth. Did you hear that Matt and Redmond's taxi driver's name is Luigi? Luigi. Yep. It's literally... Luigi! And fun facts, if Matt and Redmond uh, crossed him, he would give them the Luigi death stare. <laughs> they see me rolling, they hate him. 
And before this podcast, I was playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Oh, yeah. And it's awesome. With, with Scott and Redmond, I wonder if they gave their route, next route marker info to Luigi, and he's like, and he just looks, scans it over, and then as soon as he confirms where to go, he's like, let's go! Wahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! Luigi! <laughs> I am a number one. Oh, no, wait, that's Wario. <laughs> Teams must now head to Luigi's Mansion, the pit stop for this leg of the race. Luigi's Mansion, looking over, looking over Terrazzo. The last team to check in may be spooked. Yeah, if you thought Tara was going to appear pants then, just imagine what's going to happen when she runs into King Boo. <laughs> We've never really had a proper haunted uh, house route marker, have we? Not like Amazing Race Asia. Cue French-born Aurelia and Singaporean Sophie in the haunted house in New Zealand. I think that's what we need for season 30. We need some good belly laughs from teams uh, running through a haunted house and just being scared shitless. Or spitless. And it is Tara and Joey leaving at 7, Liz and Michael at 7.05, Becker and Floyd at 7.10, Matt and Redmond at 7.15, Van Kinesh at 7.20, Brooke and Scott at 7.25, and London and Logan at half 7. And teams travel overnight to the village of Verena. And as Matt would say, they all pretended to be normal friends until the next morning. Well, I have seen a lot of descriptions of this cast as being the normal cast. It's the most normal cast in years, apparently. There's no actors like, you know, the professional skateboarder. Did you notice Scott rolling his eyes when he saw the logo sign on his second attempt and how he pretty much looked straight directly into the camera to to uh, to show yes. his disapproval with the, with the clue? Yep, yep. Yep, and fun fact, Scott is probably the favourite to do back-to-back banners because there's a couple of good Scott facial oh, expressions this week. <laughs> yes. Not impressed. <laughs> Scott's not impressed faces are monopolising my banner choices at the moment. <laughs> and once teams do land in Verena, they have to find four Greenway de Patriarchy, where the double U-turn board awaits. Da, da, da. And Tawa and Joey opt not to U-turn. Yep, they don't want to be the bad guys again. They don't want to be the Razor Ramones of uh, just... The Amazing Race. It's understandable. I mean, they've done it once, and everyone said they'd do it, so just leave it for another team. Yeah, if you're Tara and Joey, you obviously go for the blind one over the real one, because mm. there's less knockback. Obviously, everyone knows Tara and Joey used it, but there's still less knockback. And they're doing so well. It's like, a, as Joey would say, it's like a walk in Fenway Park uh, to them over the past few episodes. You really are just trying to make Joey not like you, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> And it is a detour, which is make a mould or grab a hold. And in make a mould, teams must create a ghost by wrapping one of the members of their team in plaster to get their next clue. You think that a task that involves wrapping would have instantly appealed to Beck and Floyd? It would have, but the other choice was, of course, appealing to Becca's love of lady climbers. And it's grab a hold. Grab a hold of a lady climber. So, so, so Becca. So Becca. (laughs) In grab a hold, one team member must climb a nice foot cliff to get their next clue, while the other one belays them. Grab a hold is also a detour that uh, Jonathan and Victoria performed almost every day uh, on the on season six of the Amazing Race. Burn. And do you like the fact that we saw another pre detour U turn? Are we just going to rehash the same discussion as two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I think we should because people will find it and go, "Oh, they're wrong. We need to argue with them." 
I like people arguing with them because they're wrong. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, d- I don't mind it. I mean, the placing this time was a little bit worse because it came right before the end of the leg, but, mm. you know, what can you do? At least it came after an equaliser, so everyone had sort of a fair chance to find it. Mm. And at least it wasn't like it was com- a complete equaliser where it was like just, oh, whoever just was first out of the scramble from the boat was first to the U-turn. At least their performance from the roadblock influenced uh, their order of arrival at the U-turn unless they really screwed up the way to get to the U-turn board, which a couple of teams did. Yeah, it was also a quite hidden one, so it certainly wasn't the worst U-turn placement we've ever seen. No, and I think people are more upset because these two U-turns have taken out Seth and Olive and Van Ashton as opposed to, say, casual casual fans' least favourites, uh, Brooke and Scott or Matt and Redmond. Yeah. So it is Liz and Michael who U-turn Van Ashton. Those bastards! And Becker and Floyd admire their picture as they block off the double U-turn. Yeah. We're cute in this. Wow. Have you seen my smile? I could be a model. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so dreamy. I should just drop out of my double major right now and just go straight into modeling. And I also like the fact that Vank uses the word fudge. My sister uses that a lot. I don't. No, you do not, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? I swear like a sailor. I can't help it. And when Liz and Mike, after they use the U-turn and get lost for a bit, I love I love how Liz is looking at the map and says, this way is north, right? She's confirming that with Mike, of all people. After last episode, you think she would not want to uh, confirm <laughs> directions with Mike ever again. <laughs> well, if you ask Mike, every way is north, because this way is north and this way is north. Depends where you turn the map, Liz. My compass is magic. And we do finally get the confirmation that Becca is a lady climber. Because she's so pumped to see a climbing uh, task. She's so happy. She's jumping. Despite the fact this is the third one. Mm. She gets to have the best of both worlds. She gets to do a skydiving fast forward and do a, a true rock climbing task. And Brooke does think that they will be U-turned. So her reaction when she uh, when she finds out they're not is a little bit something about Mary. I don't get it. You're not aware of the major scene that everyone knows about in There's Something About Mary? Somewhat, I think. The yes, yes, yes scene. No, 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 I haven't, I haven't seen that scene. But I did, I did write that Brooke pretty much had an orgasm when she saw the U-turn board, which I guess is fairly equivalent to what you're hinting at. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the the subtle hint, yeah, Logan. <laughs> we could definitely take that audio out of context and throw it at the end of this podcast. Oh, Logan, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, apologies, Brooke, but there may be a face cream remix in the future. <laughs> oh my god, that's going to be the end of this podcast? I didn't even think to put it in with the face cream. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about it. Just think after like 10 more seasons of this podcast, it's going to be a minute long face cream remix. Oh my god, Logan, there's gonna be you're like going a whole, down. There's going to there's gonna be a whole story out of it. 
the problem is it's becoming very predictable for me to do the <laughs> the face cream joke every season at least once. But I can't resist. I think we're going to have to have a face cream medley at the end of this episode. Especially if I can get the cliff of Vank going, a fudge! (laughs) (laughs) Can Bertram come into it as well somewhere? Bertram! And uh, the same English guy helps Becker and Floyd and Matt and Redmond both find the rock face to climb. He does not have an Italian accent for somebody who lives in the middle of Italy. Well, Lake Como is a, a massive touristy spot, and it was June, so he was probably on holiday. He was English, wasn't he? Yeah, he was English. Yeah, very mm. English. He looked like he was going out cycling. And we also find out that Matt is a climber. So he's a gentleman climber, just as Becker is a lady climber. Oh, With the British guy, he I guess he gave out bad directions, eh? Because, what was it, Matt and Redmond completely... Completely ignored his help, and then Beck and Floyd took his word for it, and Beck and Floyd were the ones that were directed to the wrong place at first. And I've basically just decided that Amazing Race 29 is getting a monopoly on ridiculous detours. Because the mold detour is one of the weirdest ones we've seen for a while. How good is it? Oh, it's a great detour, it's just weird. I know, I like that we've got weird things, because they're different. Last week's detour was weird as well, Troll All Trolls. And this time we get a ghost. I'm afraid of the ghost. It's the sight that I fear most. Rather have a piece of toast and watch the evening news. <laughs> um, those ghosts would be scary at night, but I don't think they could stay out at night. Wouldn't they disintegrate? Not sure. Plaster of Paris uh, solidifies quite quickly. Actually, yeah, rain doesn't affect it. Yeah. Also, I don't think Logan is aware of the wonder that is Desiree life. Really? No. Oh, Logan, you have an education. Oh, okay, you've got to put the music on somewhere. Give him the link. I'm, I'm, I'll send him the link after the podcast. It is one of the worst sets of lyrics in, hu- in human history. <laughs> it's right up there with Rebecca Black. Yeah. Um, Tara. Tara. When she was sitting Tara. there and it was nearly finished, who did she look like? E.T. E.T. on the bike. <laughs> the little face poking out. Tara phone home. And for winning this leg of the race, you get a lifetime supply of Reese's Pieces. <laughs> for winning this leg of the race, you get a trip for two from Travelocity on a bike round the moon. And you get a copy of E.T. for the Atari 2600. Or the Atala 2600, as Joey would say. <laughs> you get a VHS copy of E.T. I have a VHS copy of E.T. Why doesn't that shock me? <laughs> I used to have one. I have I have a DVD of E.T. DVD E.T.? <laughs> DVD E.T. <laughs> I know Betamax is basically the standard in Canada still, but... Hey, other question. Oh, not question. Comment. Um, did you notice that, what's her name, Becca said, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Now, I thought that was an Aussie term. Obviously not. No, it's a British term. We use it here in Canada, too. Wow, it's worldwide. It is. The sun never sets on easy-peasy lemon squeezy. And Becca gets another quote of the episode when she says, Heck yeah, I love touching rock. Which also may go into the face cream joke. Heck yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. This is after, it's like, why is, why is... 
Becca trying not to swear considering she dropped an F-bomb when she threatened to punch Floyd in the face just a few rounds earlier. Because she's probably hoping that all of her airtime is going to be positive. <laughs> and Matt and Redmond leave hold in first with Becca and Floyd in second, and teams must now take a boat to the village of Tremezzo and find Terezio Olivelli Park, this pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. To buy that boat in Australia, it costs a quarter of a million Australian dollars. Wow. Yes. If I was an Aussie just living over in Italy, it would only be hundred equivalent of 150000 But to get it over here, people have some on Sydney Harbour. They're worth a quarter of a million. I love how you actually look these things up before the podcast, Michelle. No, I asked my husband. He knows prices of all boats. Uh, he knows boats. He knows boats. So Joey is also wrapping it up at the detour quite literally, literally, as he says that he's dipping in the cloth to cover all the holes and spaces for Tara. And then they eventually finish the task in third. Yeah, they do. And Brooke appears to be scared. And Scott says that he's a 200-pound monster who will save her if she falls. No one messes with Scott's 200-pound monster. Okay, that goes to the end of the podcast as well. Logan is so dead. He's going down. I'm not even going to talk about anything except sugar plums and marshmallows. I do think the idea of the, the amazing race roast of Logan is a good one, though, for podcast number 200. I think there's legs in that. Oh, poor Logan. I think there's about 140 legs in that, if I recall the number of podcasts I've probably been on by this point. I think so, too, Logan. <laughs> the amazing race lo- uh, roast of Logan Saunders. This may work. <laughs> and in a, I guess, a boat race to the finish, Becker and Floyd checking in first, and they win a trip for two to Ushuaia in Argentina. And what do they win, Michelle? Um, a spa. They get to go to the spa. Because <laughs> Phil loves saying that word every single season. He said it very quickly. I was quite disappointed this time. Oh, must try harder, Phil Kogan. Please. I met, I met a few people when I was traveling through Europe. I met a few people who lived either within Ushuaia or lived close to Ushuaia. And apparently, did I tell you about this? I learned, I learned about a reality TV story about Ushuaia uh, when I was in Spain. Um, it wasn't The Amazing Race, I guess, but it was some, some sort of other travel show that was filming there. And I guess the locals were throwing rocks at the production vehicles it, because... It it's Top Gear. It was Top Gear? It was Top Gear uh... because they they were driving in South America and they accident Because the Argentinians are weird about the Falklands, uh, they took one of the number plates to mean to be a reference to the Falklands, which it wasn't, uh, and they got chased to Chile. Yeah, this is the story that the Argentine couple were telling me when I was in Madrid that they, uh, yeah, because they had the British license plates driving around uh, Ushuaia. And of course, yeah, Falkland Islands is like, is a very touchy subject between Argentina and England. So they were throwing rocks at the vehicles and I think a couple of the production members got assaulted, if I recall correctly. Oh yeah, the the chase, well, they, they set the cars on fire. Yeah. It went to got really out of hand, and I guess on New Year's on the the host's uh, Twitter page, uh, he said, "Oh, happy New Year to everybody except for the people of uh, Argentina." 
well, that that's how Clarkson is, but yeah. Um, the Argentinians were being arseholes about it. Because for once, Top Gear does have a bit of a reputation of sort of trying to wind people up occasionally. And for once, they actually weren't trying to wind up the Argentinians. It was a genuine mistake, I think. Yeah, but that's... Uh... I guess it's, they were telling me that it's pretty much the only way to piss off people in Argentina is to go in there driving around British license plates. That would make more sense than the fact that they just took it to be a reference to the Falklands. Um, so yeah, Matt and Redmond check in in second, and they really want a first place. Welcome, new storyline for Matt and Redmond. So Matt and Redmond aren't going anywhere. Not until they get first place. And then Tara and Joey finish uh, Mould in third. Liz and Michael leave Hold in fourth. And Brooke and Scott leave Hold in fifth. And then another wonderful confessional from Brooke where she says, I didn't realise I was being so vocal. And we just get another wonderful Scott oh. stink face. I actually rewound and watched it three times just to see Scott. <laughs> that was so good. Or a London, or they even set set up uh, Brooks meltdown uh, during the detour with London saying, "I know we're in la- I know we're close to last place. Let's hope people are going crazy at the rock climbing task." And then they immediately cut to Brooks screaming on the cliff face. I love the. I love how she said, "I don't know which way to go. I'm very concerned." That actually, I laughed out loud in my lounge room. Just that line. I'm very concerned. I have reservations about where to put my hands on this rock climbing wall. <laughs> just so we're abundantly clear, do you think that if this wasn't just a a schoolyard pick season, that Brooke and Scott would be paired up? Because I do. I think 100% production wanted them to be paired up. Which is why they're getting all this airtime. They're, they're, they're perfect. They're, they complement each other very well. They are a perfect match for Amazing Race. Scott is like is really positive, but he also has this very sassy and conniving way about him in terms of how he looks at the camera and how he interacts with the other racers. While Brooke can just be batshit crazy at times, but then be grounded every once in a while. It's a, it's a great pairing. I think if they really wanted to, they could have made Scott the villain of the season. How? In the eyes of some people, <laughs> he is turning into a bit of a villain in terms really? of the comments online. Oh, yeah. I mean, they mainly credit Brooke with the idea of, of wanting to bully slash U-turn Vank and Ashton, especially the line at the... I thought... Because I read the comments before the I watched the episode, so I was I expected the edit to be a lot harsher in terms of how the teams ganged up on Vank and Ashton. But it was just a throwaway comment at the pit stop, and Brooke said that uh, Vank and Ashton were the B-list invitees to the dinner table. I was expecting something to it come off a lot more mean-spirited. But uh, it was just a throwaway comment that everybody online uh, just trounced upon. Oh, they're running with it. Why do you think that uh, Van and Ashton were the ones who got you turned? I, th- I guess they just weren't getting along socially with the other racers. They, they were... Because I want to say that they didn't have a working relationship with Brooke and Scott, but Vank was wearing uh, Scott's uh, quiche hat. So... What? Well, they, Clearly the, they had some sort of relationship with them. The quiche hat apparently was Olive's. Um, so it was just being passed from team to team on each leg of the race? Yeah, it was being passed from team to team to um, to sort of let Olive know that they're still thinking of her. Oh, of course, it's got, it's got eliminated 
now that Van Ashton have, but still, yeah. I think I think they just didn't chat as much to the other teams, possibly, and you're going to get rid of the people that you don't really connect with before you get rid of your big people because you know you want you want to have people around who might help you if you need help, and if you're not chatting to someone, it doesn't it means that they might not necessarily help you. But Vank, but the weird, the counter to that though is that Vank tried to work with Scott at the roadblock multiple times, and Scott just flat out rejected him. So it sounds to me, just judging by what Brooke was saying in the previous leg, that a lot of racers just weren't getting along with Ashton. I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more. I I don't think Vank was the target of the U-turn. I think Ashton was. I think Ashton was probably the one who rubbed everyone the wrong way. I'm guessing that what probably happened is that with the U-turn, with Ashton U-turning Matt and Redmond, that Matt and Redmond probably had the better relationship with the other teams. And then after everyone found out about the whole U-turn confrontation, that people weren't as favorable towards Ashton on the race. And then that led to everybody kind of essentially ganging up on her. Uh at this at the uh, U-turn board. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's how it how it sort of ended up happening. Because the idea that oh, Van Ashton were a strong team doesn't really make any sense. They were just mid-levels. They weren't really the, they're nowhere near the big threats of Beck and Floyd or Matt and Redmond to get out oh, uh, this early in the season. No. I think pre-season that we sort of assumed that Ashton would be a little bit highly strung, and I think our impression of him might have been right in that respect. Yeah. Because, mm. I mean, Vank was trying to get an alliance going this episode with getting through some of the tasks, and then Scott's like, I don't know you. Yeah. We missed it- we missed Scott giving um, pep talk to Brooke, one of his famous pep talks that he does. Um she, she said something like, um, one big one, let's go. It's like pushing a baby out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, How much it's the most Bob. Have you had with someone close to you pushing a baby out? Yeah, I was going to say, and now we're going to go to our, um, our mother correspondent, Michelle Pierce-Dedevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most Bob Harper piece of advice I've ever seen. It's something that I would see in The Biggest Loser. You can run on this treadmill. Just it's like pushing the baby out. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> that's where that's where women who are having a, a birth, natural birth, go and hit their partner in the head. It's a good thing she was halfway up a rock climbing wall when he said that. <laughs> like I'm amazed she didn't say anything back to him. What other things could Scott have said in his pep talk to keep Brooke going through that rope, uh, through that detour? Could he have said like, "It's just you overcame a ladle, Brooke. You overcame making that ladle. This is this rock climbing wall is just like a ladle." <laughs> Le- level five on the treadmill, Charlotte. Level five on the treadmill. <laughs> I think it's blatantly obvious that I have a huge soft spot for Brooke and Scott. <laughs> oh, Scott could have said back. The quote that Brooke said right at the beginning when she fell over. Pain is temporary, elimination is forever. Yes, he could have just kept saying that. (laughs) She needs a t-shirt with that saying on it. She does. Oh, they reused, oh, with Liz and Michael, when Liz was doing the detour and passing Brooke, they reused, 
the exact same soundbite from last week with Michael saying, you're an animal, Liz. You're a sewer rat. You're a crazy, tenacious sewer rat. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, because this task, this detour, involves another harness, I think it's safe to say that Shamir would have made Sarah do the ghost task. <laughs> and I think Shamir... The, like, punching through two windows is one thing, but I think Shamir's fist would have been in a lot more trouble if he tried to punch that, uh, try to punch a cliff face. Yeah. Imagine that, just his knuckles get all bloody. <clears throat> we didn't mention, um, that the the news came out this week that actually Shamir didn't break one window, he broke two. Yes. Those in- we interviews were so very interesting. Those those interviews were very interesting because Shamir did his interview first and then said, oh, this was just all editing. And then the next day, Sarah's interview gets released and it almost counters pretty much every word Shamir said. So it's awkward. Did you get the impression that she was picking her words carefully? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was, well, yeah, she even said, like, it would be a disservice to be dishonest in this interview, but she's also friends with Shamir. So she was stuck between a rock and a hard place or as or a harness and a window. Both both, both are difficult situations. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't the, the harness make sure that Shamir was stuck between a rock and a hard place? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, dear. Two windows, though. Two windows. That's quite impressive. I mean, I guess the, the, both windows were completely smashed through, is what Sarah said, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I would have loved to see that clip. I know I know that for Shamir, he probably would have had way worse backlash from the audience if he broke both windows. But somebody like me would have just found that hilarious and nothing else. So in summary, Logan just wants to see even more of Shamir's misfortune. So... Third is Tara and Joey, and then Vank and Ashton complete Hold in sixth, but London and Logan leave Mold in sixth. Uh, and fourth is Liz and Michael, fifth was Brooke and Scott, and then we have the dinner party invite conversation, and then sixth was London and Logan, which makes Vank and Ashton the last team to arrive, and they are eliminated from the race. Did you hear the contradictory report about how far behind Vank and Ashton were? I didn't, because I only watched this about an hour and a half ago. Okay, so on so on uh, Twitter, Ashton said that production told her they were only 15 minutes behind London and Logan. So if it wasn't for the U-turn, they would have still been in the race. Oh. And London and Logan would have left with probably the most invisible edit in Amazing Race history. Outside of Jeremy and Sandy, of course. Uh, but then London said on Reddit... That they were 45 minutes, that uh, they were they beat uh, Ashton Vank by 45 minutes. So I don't know if production lied to Ashton to make her feel better, or worse, depending on how you look at this situation, or if they lied to London. Because, well, London, London said that she knew it was 45 minutes because they all were hanging out at the pit stop for quite a while, and that's how long it took for uh, Vank and Ashton to show up. Even if it was forty-five minutes, it would wouldn't it take at least forty-five minutes to do both those tasks? I heard it was a really 
that the detour was really quick. Multiple racers said that uh, on social okay. media this week. It was a really quick leg. I got that impression too, considering how much of the episode was spent on the night before the the U-turn and detour task. Mm. Well, the the rock climbing detour was obviously way way quicker than the ghost one, but the ghost one was way cooler. The ghost one, I think, was pro. I would assume was probably maybe about an hour, and the rock climbing task was about half an hour. Yeah. Or or maybe rock climbing was an hour, and then the ghost was close to two hours. I don't know, but they it did seem like a really quick leg uh, for that day. I mean, they really only did the one task, and some teams getting lost either on the way to rock climbing or on the way to the U-turn. The pit stop was structured though that you could see teams arriving if you were checking in though. So surely if um, if Thank and Ashton were only about 15 minutes behind, we probably would have seen them when London and Logan checked in. Yeah, otherwise that would be a really short match at. So I think it was probably the 45 minute one rather than 15. I like how when, what was it, when I think it was when, it was either when Tara and Joey checked in or when Liz and Michael checked in, how it was just one boat after the other, after the other, after the other, that all came swarming in. It was Tara and Joey. Yeah, Tara and Joey, they're like, and Phil's like, there's another boat, and another boat, and another boat, and another boat, and there's a production boat, and a round of people boating. So many boats. <laughs> so are you going to miss Van Ken Ashton? Am no. I going to miss Lester the Unlikely and Jody Wincheski's uh, twin, or... Yeah, I think I will. I will miss the contrast between them and uh, Vank's Vank's unique way of speaking. And do you think that um, that London and Logan are probably going to get second place like Jeremy and Sandy now? Yeah, yeah. Really? I see. Because no. that's what Logan said in his um, editing analysis this week. Not at all. They, They're not top they, three. If they survive this leg, they'll be the new Jeremy and Sandy. I said that. Yeah. I don't even remember saying that. See, I'm I read your blog unlike you, evidently. <laughs> yeah, they're just so there's just so little. Ma- this was the most airtime they got in all the other five episodes combined, and they still probably got the least amount of airtime of the remaining seven teams. And it looks like it's not till next week that uh, they'll have any sort of storyline whatsoever. Next week looks like we're going to have some um, some fun mic impressions, at least from you. And I would assume it's got to be a non-elimination next week because they, they never they never do final three non-eliminations anymore. Mm. And the last when was the last time they even had a non-elimination at final four? Uh, they had one in well twenty six, twenty six and twenty five. Because they didn't do one in twenty seven, right? No, tw- twenty seven was the final six. Same with 28? Yeah, 28 was final six. Because they had the Indonesia and China eliminations all back to back to back. So I would think that even if with final four, non-eliminations not being popular anymore either. Which is good because they're useless. Yeah. And and they uh, make it really obvious that it's going to be a non-elimination. Which is why they need to rarely, they need to occasionally mix in a final three non-elimination just to absolutely keep people guessing. Or have a final two twist for the final leg. Um, that would really throw people off. But Wouldn't next it? week next week really has to be a non-elimination. Because they've only used one so far. 
Yeah, and I'm assuming we're going to have an elimination either in legs 9 or 10 because of the fact it's a double episode. Mm. Which means that if it isn't next week, it's got to be legs 8 and 10. Yeah, it's got to be. So next time, teams head to Venice, yay! And there are gondolas, masquerade balls, and London and Logan get a bit shady. Slim Shady. He's the real Log Shady. Please stand up. Wow, your your guys' rap knowledge is very impressive. <laughs> you should be so damn proud of us. And at my age as well, at 1am in the morning. With, with London and Logan, I'm sure whatever happens with what they do to Liz and Michael next round with betraying them, that they'll probably have to battle through a guilty conscience. It's very rare that we actually have a, a rap chat that I can keep up with. Very rare, and you guys were already mm. lost by my last sentence, so it was it was fun. It was fun while you guys played. <laughs> Did you not hear the the sigh that I gave? Oh. It didn't no. go over my head. <laughs> you cut out. <laughs> I, I sighed. Okay. Oh, we missed out on Vank and Ashton doing the ghost detour with uh, Ashton called him a beautiful ghost. And then Vank said he always wanted to be a beautiful something. And if he were going with the theme of the season, he would have quoted Madonna and would have referred to himself as a beautiful stranger. Beautiful stranger. So we go from Eminem to Madonna. (laughs) So is there anything else to say about this leg? On a U-turn leg? Never wear a quiche hat. I'm just going to put that out there. The quiche is cursed. The quiche is very cursed. If you're wearing the hat of a team that or that belonged to a team that was eliminated by a U-turn and you yourself get U-turned, just pass that hat on to Brooke and Scott and they will be cursed for the final U-turn of the season. No doubt. We like Brooke and Scott. Well, I mean, from Van Ashton's perspective. Or maybe they're going to bl- blame Liz and Mike uh, for being U-turned since that was a team who, I, you know, actually U-turned them. Give it to London and Logan. <laughs> But then they'll actually get airtime. So maybe it's it's funnier if London and Logan remain invisible. Yeah. So thank you for listening to this URC number podcast. You can join us oh, next predi- week. We, we didn't make predictions for next week. Well, we said it'd be a non-elimination. Yeah, but who's going to be last? Who's going to be first? London and Logan last? Well, London and Logan are hopefully going to be the next elimination. But I'm not sure is the honest answer. That's a cop I'm going to go for team fun. Team fun first. Unless it'll be Matt and Redmond in this week, was just setting it up that they're finally going to win a leg. Shortest storyline ever. So yeah, let's say team fun finishes first uh, again next week, since winning back-to-back seems to be the theme for this season. Um, and I think London and Logan are probably going to finish last, because why else would you mention them in the preview for next week unless they get last on a non-elimination? Mm. so thank you for listening to the URT number podcast you can join us next weekend to recap episode number 7 if you've got any questions feel free to contact us on our Facebook page Reality TV Warriors and our Twitter account RTV Warriors or our own Twitter pages MJ Armstrong for me Log Super Quacky for Logan and Bear 3333333 for Michelle see you next week bye peace out and chill till the next episode when the farmer feels their seaweed has been properly laid out to dry He may give them a little face cream. I did it in one take. So proud of you. It was like magic in my fingers. Yes! Yes! Oh my god. Yes! Oh, good boy!